From WSC FM and HD1 Columbia, I'm Morjalis. And I'm Erin Slowing. This is Localize from WSC News. For years, Carolina Productions had its work to make sure its students have a unique campus experience. They're used to organizing big events like concerts, but as campus settles into a new normal, how have they had to adapt? Jacob Hoffman, president of Carolina Productions, is here to tell us what changes have been like and what events students can look forward to this semester. Also, professor of epidemiology and former CDC epidemiologist Dr. Kathy Dotre is here to discuss the recent downward trend in cases of COVID-19 among USC students. Are things really getting better? And can we even trust the numbers released by the university after such a significant decrease in testing? All that and more tonight on Localize. The news is first. Live from WUSC News, I'm Summer Rogers. The current campus status is new normal according to the COVID-19 dashboard. The active case number continues to go down with only 164 students and six employees according to the update. Monitoring the safety and of students and faculty, University Provost William Tate had an update for students on what the spring semester will look like. USC plans to keep the model of online, in-person, and hybrid classes up and running to start off 2021. USC will work with the Department of Health and Human Services to provide testing at Founders Park and the Martin Luther King Jr. Park in Five Points. These sites will open Saturday and will work to test as many students as possible in the next two weeks. Police are currently searching for two missing boys from Aiken. Nine-year-old Matthew and seven-year-old Jerry Kenman were taken in the middle of the night Thursday from their home. Matthew has blonde hair and blue eyes, weighing 90 pounds, and Jerry has brown hair and brown eyes, weighing 55 pounds. Both are four feet tall. Police are looking to question Nancy Christina Kenman on the boy's disappearance. She was last seen driving a maroon 2005 Toyota Camry. If you have any information, please call the Aiken Department of Public Safety at 803-642-7620. With just over a week until kickoff, Coach Muschamp announced who the Gamecocks' starting quarterback will be next Saturday. WUSC's Karan Alston reports. For football news, grad transfer Colin Hill has been named starting quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks. He will see his first action against Tennessee September 26th. With WSC News, I'm Cron Alston. Governor Henry McMaster signed a bill to allow more South Carolinians the ability to use absentee voting this year. Earlier this week, the House voted to pass the new bill 115 to 1 and was signed Wednesday in a special session at the State House. The bill will allow people absentee voting without giving specific excuses that have been needed in the past, but unlike mail-in voting, the absentee vote will require a witness signature. This comes after South Carolina Elections Commission Executive Director Marcy Andino asked for emergency changes in order to protect workers, voters, and ensure a smooth election in November. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 244 points today, the NASDAQ dropped 116 points, and the S&P 500 dropped 37 points. It's currently 77 degrees outside and mostly cloudy. The low tonight will be 64. Tomorrow will be cloudy as well with a high of 71 and a low of 55. It's 6.03. Cox, it's Schuler from Death Drive 90.5. We're all stoked to be back on campus. 
But we've got to remember that the threat of COVID-19 is still very real and very present. Take measures to protect those around you and to protect yourself. Wear that mask. Wash your hands. Stay six feet apart. Don't eat anything that you find on the ground. Stop licking doorknobs. Let's all work together for a COVID-free campus. Because riffs should be sick. You shouldn't. Keep it healthy, keep it safe, and keep it locked to 90.5. WUSC-FM and HD1 Columbia. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Did you know there are 56 city parks and green spaces in Columbia? Go outside and enjoy Columbia's beautiful parks throughout the entire year. City Parks offer some of the most accessible trails and river access and serve as a living tapestry of Columbia's local and natural history. Parks are open year-round from dawn to dusk and are free of charge. For more information on locations and facilities, visit www.columbiasc.net forward slash parks and rec. And remember, it starts in parks. For the millions living with COPD, breathing becomes a real struggle. COPD stands for Chronic Obstructive Pulmonary Disease, but you may have heard of it as chronic bronchitis or emphysema. Over time, it makes it harder and harder to breathe until you feel like you're breathing through a straw. COPD is the fourth leading cause of death in the U.S. It kills one person every four minutes, and it took my grandmother. An estimated 24 million Americans are affected, but as many as half of them don't even know it. It's a race against time to spread the word about this serious disease. If you're over 35 and have ever smoked, you could be at risk. The good news is, there are steps you can take to improve your symptoms. I'm Danica Patrick, and I drive for COPD. Take action today to breathe better tomorrow. Join the movement at driveforcopd.com, take our screening questionnaire today, and talk to your doctor. In the past, USC's campus has doubled as both a university and center for entertainment. Performances from huge names like rapper 21 Savage and comedian Josh Peck, along with other events like Laser Tag and Movie Nights, are available for all students. Carolina Productions is the organization responsible for it all. It's student-run and focused on bringing the high-quality entertainment to campus. The arrival of the coronavirus pandemic, though, has forced the organization to get creative in order to keep bringing unique events to campus, while also keeping people safe. Here to talk with us about how things have changed and what kinds of events students can look forward to is Carolina Productions President Jacob Hoffman. Hey, hey, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so for the people that don't know about Carolina Productions, it's part of Gamecock Entertainment. What kind of role does it play in that organization? 
Mm -hmm. So we're the main programming board on campus. Um, so like our main role is just planning fun free events for students. And where does that the money for those events come from? Yeah, it comes from the student activity fee, which is a part of student's tuition. So how have you been trying to adjust as a student leader on campus with an org that focuses mainly on events? How have, how have how has your organization adjusted to this transition? Mm -hmm. I think like regardless of like the changes, our main goal is still just putting on fun free events for students however we can. Um, we've had to adjust a lot, um, mostly with our in-person events, making sure that we're following social distancing guidelines and protocols. Um, we are still doing some virtual events as well um, for those students that don't feel safe coming back to campus yet or might be in quarantine, making sure that we have something going on that all students can participate in. So have you also been doing a combination of like hybrid too, where people can experience it both in person and online at the same time? Yes, a lot of our Russell Underground events that we've been having, we have like a virtual component and an in-person component. Mm -hmm. So what is something a student can expect from going to an in-person event for Carolina Productions in terms of safety? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they can expect um, we will have social distancing enforced whenever we've had like in-person events in the Russell Underground. Um, all the seats are six feet apart from each other. Um, so like no one will be like sharing any seats or anything like that. Um, all the spaces are cleaned like before and after the event. Um, so we have that going on as well. So everything is clean and sanitary. Um, students are also required to wear masks at all times in person at our events. Mm -hmm. So student events in general have always been a huge part of campus life and campus culture. What has the turnout been like since students have returned back to campus? Uh, turnout has been low compared to previous semesters, which is given with the virus and everything going on. Um, that doesn't mean that it hasn't been successful though. Um, I think our highest attended event has been um, the DIY succulents that we did when we came back, um, which we got about 150 people roughly from that. So that was a good turnout. So how have you guys been tracking the people who attend and the people who don't attend the events? We've been tracking everything through Garnet Gate. We've been relying on that a lot this year. Um, in the past, we normally scan Carolina cards at events, but um, just because we don't want to like limit like contact as much as possible, We've been using Garnegate, the event pass, just because like you can scan it with uh, your phone and then using the other person's phone. Um, so no touch contact is required with that. Um, so we've been utilizing it um, and it gives us like the attendance of everybody who attends each event. Yeah, that's great. So let's go back to March when you first found out that we were going completely online for the semester. When, when your org completely revolves around events, what was your initial reaction to hearing that? Uh, honestly, I was scared. Like, I don't, I wasn't sure, like, how we were going to do things. How are we going to adjust to this? Um, at first, we were just, like, off campus for, like, two weeks. They just extended spring break. And I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. We can still do Josh Peck. We can still do Birdcage. We haven't lost anything too much. Um, and then we got shut down for the rest of the semester. And then we were just like, okay, like, what do we do now, you know? Um, a lot of my summer was spent, like, rebuilding these events um, for social distancing guidelines and making new events that fit the protocol as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's been a lot, honestly, figuring everything out, but it seems to be working. Yeah. And as a student leader, too, you manage a group of executive leaders. What was that transition like for them and leading them through that transition as well? It was a lot like um, our board had just formed in January. So we only had spent like two and a half months together um, before everything went online. Um, all of our meetings had to move online as well. And even now that we're back on campus, we're still meeting online. Um, so that's been like an adjustment for everyone, really. Um, but I think it's been really good for us. And I think we've really persevered through it.
Mm -hmm. So as a student leader, do you feel like you have a general pulse about how students feel about being back on campus? To a degree. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't talk to that many students, um, honestly, just because like I only go to my classes and then go to eat. Um, that's the majority of what I do with like social interaction in person, at least. Um, we do know that. Excuse me. Um, we do know like we've pulled like our general members um, and personally like they're wanting to see like more in-person events. Um, um, but we also have some students that like are just not ready to come back onto campus yet and we understand that as well. So we aren't getting rid of virtual events just yet. Mm -hmm. So normally the fall is a time for recruitment for almost all organizations. Who like how can people get involved if they're interested in getting involved with Carolina Productions? Um, we actually have an interest meeting this coming Tuesday of next week. Um, and then we'll also be at the virtual org fair next Wednesday. So come check us out. And what does that, well, sorry, what does that involvement look like for a general member? Um, so our general members, um, we also call them PICRU, which stands for Programmer in Training. Um, we have meetings for that every Sunday at 5 p.m. Uh, where we basically like brainstorm different event concepts, go over marketing strategies, et cetera. Um, and we have that weekly meeting every week. And that's the main involvement. Um, they also staff our in-person events as well. So anything in person that we need staff for, we have them there for that. Um, they scan people's event pass, um, do crowd control, make sure people are following the guidelines, everything and all that jazz. Yeah, that's great. So the last question that I had for you is, what event are you most excited about for this year? Um, for this year, I'm most excited about the cooking show that we're doing with Anthony Porowski from Queer Eye. Um, we just got that contract finalized, so I'm really happy that we're bringing that to campus, and I hope they'll have a big turnout for it. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jacob. Thank you for having me. That was Carolina Productions President Jacob Hoffman. Up next, we will hear about CDC guidelines. We'll be right back. and academic integrity. I will respect the dignity of all persons. I will respect the rights and property of others. I will discourage bigotry while striving to learn from differences in people, ideas, and opinions. I will demonstrate concern for others, their feelings, and their need for conditions which support their work and development. As a USC student athlete, I live by the Carolinian Creed. Sponsored by the Referee Group Bateman Team and the Public Relations Student Society of America. The University of South Carolina's COVID-19 dashboard currently reports a total of 170 active COVID cases on campus as of today, September 18th. That's a huge drop in cases from earlier this semester, when at one time there were over 1,400 reported cases on campus. But this drop comes after the university significantly reduced the amount of saliva tests performed to only 200 per day. And so that brings up a number of questions. Here to discuss that with us today, we lost CDC, former CDC epidemiologist uh, Kathy Dotra. But here to discuss that with us today is WSC executive producer uh, Mary Bryant Charles. Uh, Mary Bryant, how are you doing today? 
Hey, Word. Um, I'm doing pretty well. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on a, a last-second basis. Um, but first off, you know, we just got these new case numbers in from the university's COVID-19 dashboard. They've been trending downward, but a lot of people are also pointing out, you know, the university's scaling back of testing. I mean, what do you think? Can we? Do you think we can put the blame here on less testing, or do you think there might be something else going on? I think it's wise to be skeptical. Um, a lot of people, um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, decreasing the capacity for testing. Um, but this still, this definitely fits kind of the narrative that the university set forth before we all even got here. Um, we were told that there would be a spike of tests, there would be a spike of cases within the first few weeks, um, and then a decline. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Hard to, hard to trust. Uh, so there's been multiple different approaches to testing at universities across the country. Uh, you know, at one end of the spectrum, some schools, they're only testing the symptomatic students, not requiring any students to get tested. Um, and at others, like the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, you know, students are required to get tested twice a week if they want to use university facilities. I mean, in your opinion, what's, you know, where do we want to be here at USC? I mean, obviously, you want to aspire to whatever is most thorough, most careful. Um, we've definitely seen kind of, um, we can look at other countries where testing has been more available, places like South Korea and New Zealand, um, who have been able to keep a really close watch on their numbers and keep um, really close contact tracing. And through that, have been able to kind of keep everything contained. Um, it's definitely disappointing to see um, the university cut its testing capacity so soon, especially as large as we are. Um, but it's <clears throat> but whatever is available to us, like I know whoever that staffer was got yeah. ill this week. I was just about to talk about um, that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so for listeners who don't really know, uh, there was um, a period of time last week in which testing was shut down for five days um, because one key staffer in the lab got sick. Obviously, some questionable things happening there. How could the testing lab uh, only operate when one staffer is there is what a lot of people are saying. And also, you know, a lot of students I've talked to, I've talked to a lot of students, faculty, staff, um, very skeptical about how the university is handling it. Um, what what have you what have you found out from different people here about what they think about this? Um, I think there's definitely a problem with um, messaging. I think we can all agree that where satisfac where the dissatisfaction stems from is people feeling like they're not hearing enough, they're not being communicated with enough. Um, and this is something I've heard from both students and professors, like. Um, a few of us who have on campus in-person classes, um, there's a lot of frustration um, for a lot of us because we don't really feel like we are being attended to as well as we could, which is really important now, especially um, with the pandemic and with how everything is going, um, seeing as the areas where we've seen the spread be mitigated mm -hmm. is where people have the most information and where people... Yeah. Um, have access to a steady stream of testing and those numbers. Um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully as things, hopefully obviously 
that staffer recovers really soon um, because mm-hmm. that's going to be really important to keep track of things on campus. Yeah, well, there's been a, there's been varying calls from different groups on campus, and, and I like that you pointed that out, um, about what the best step is for the university now that we're all back. Um, many students uh, protesting recently, mm-hmm. uh, saying universities should shut down, um, and others saying that if we send student home, students home, it could spread the outbreak to other places. Uh, so, you know, my question for you, do you think it was a smart decision to, you know, keep students here in the first place? I think... Um Obviously, having things in person has a lot of benefits, and it's what a lot of people wanted. It's what a lot of people signed up for when they come to college, when they come here to college. Um, But definitely, with the state of things now, I would have loved to have seen an option to stay fully online. Um, I definitely empathize with people who, we've been here for so long, and feel that sending everybody home could even be more of a danger um, to take all these people who have been living in close quarters together, send them home to families where maybe they have younger siblings, older parents, relatives. Um, So going forward, like I read the demands of um, the protesters who were on the horseshoe this past weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it definitely makes sense to if we're going to be staying on campus and if we're going online we should stay on campus um or at least have a choice and hopefully some kind of refund for people because i times are really difficult um and any kind of form of support for students um and professors and faculty and professional staff um just to be shown that the university is here and that it cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to bring up something else, too. I mean, a couple of weeks ago now, USC was making headlines not only for um, not only for these rising cases here, but also because a uh, different reason. Uh, it was making national headlines after a video was posted by our partner org, SGTV, uh, showing hundreds of students packed together in a crowded bar nearby, no one wearing masks. I mean, you know, that in of itself is a public health nightmare right now. I mean, what do you think about this? Can people expect college students to follow these rules on and off campus? To be honest, no. Um, I think with the choice to come back, um, with the choice from upper administration to bring us all back, they are were well aware of the risks. They were well aware that people are going to be coming. And people are also people also arrived under the impression that we could be sent home at any moment. So I'm really not shocked that people are taking this opportunity to do what they do and go out. Um, but it's definitely extremely disappointing to see people who are totally neglecting these guidelines for favor of um, living like nothing's happening when something is happening. And Mm -hmm. the big thing here is that a lot of us have to realize is that we are bringing the risk and we're bringing the consequences of this virus to a community, to a local community that a lot of us aren't even part of. Yeah. Um, And so you're not just going out and having a good time you're putting bartenders at risk you're putting bouncers at risk you're putting service people in Mm -hmm. the service industry at risk um 
And that's obviously like really, really disappointing. Yeah, I think that is, you're right, that that's been a really big issue here, uh, is people realizing that we're part of a larger community, uh, not just the USC community. Um, You know, because, you know, there's college students and, you know, while we may seem indestructible, (laughs) not everybody around us is. So I think you made a really good point there. Um, Final question really quick, though. You know, if you had a parting message for your fellow students here, um, what would you say to them about how this is going right now? I would say that I understand the anger and the frustration and the sadness because we have kind of been thrown into we have we've been thrown into the situation and we haven't really been giving much time to grieve or process so i understand the the urge to try to live like before but things have changed and i really encourage you to be creative and how you spend time with people find new ways to connect um to keep that because we all definitely need to keep our spirits up some way just don't put other people at risk with your activities. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mary Bryant, for joining us today. That was Mary Bryant Charles. She is former editor-in-chief of the Garnet and Black magazine, and she's the executive producer here at Localize. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Make sure to join us every Friday at 6 p.m. for our local take on this week's biggest stories. Localize is a production by WSC News and is produced by Mary Bryant Charles and Fort Jollis. The outreach coordinator for Localize is Rita Naidu, and the music for the show is called Freedom by Atch. You can find other new shows in WSC News podcast at garnetmediagroup.org. Live from WSC News in Columbia, I'm Moore Jollis. And I'm Erin Slowey. This is Localize. <laughs>